1: Hi, this is Rosie Mercado, and you're listening to season two of The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, a Himalaya learning audio course. To listen to the rest of the course and others like it, go to Himalaya.com forward slash Rosie season two and enter promo code relationships to get your first 14 days absolutely free. I hope to see you there. I'm Rosie Mercado, and this is The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, the podcast that talks about the joys in life and what better joy in life is there than sex. Yes, sex, and not just any kind of sex, but sex with cannabis. And that's what we're going to be talking about today with our guest, cannabis sex coach, Ashley Manta. Ashley, welcome to the podcast, girl. I am so excited to be talking about cannabis and sex. Never in in my mind did I think I was going to be talking about this. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you about it. But before we start, we have to start with the quote of the day. Girl, we always need inspiration, and today's inspiration comes from Tanisha Harris, and it goes like this don't allow the challenging circumstances you're experiencing to define who you are at the core of your being. What do you think about that? I love that quote. That really, really resonates with me. Ashley, how are you today? First of all, thank you so much for being here. How is everything going for you?
0: I'm actually having a really fantastic day. I just had my hair done yesterday. I got up and did my makeup. So I'm feeling all kinds of shiny and, and pretty, and that feels really good for me. I had a nice nourishing breakfast, so I'm feeling great.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, especially in these times, just getting your makeup done and getting your hair done and just like changing, changing the whole energy. Like it just may, it just sets you in such a better place and just kind of prepared to kind of kick ass throughout the day. It really does. All right, mama. So you are a relationship and sex coach, but you've added to, to everything that you're doing, cannabis and sex coach. What does cannabis and sex do? Like, what? How does that work? That's such a great question. What I've found
0: with cannabis is that it can help address the things that get in the way of pleasure and connection and intimacy. So some of those things might be pain. If you're feeling discomfort in your body, it's really hard to be present and enjoy pleasure. Yeah. If you're stuck in your head, if you're really self-conscious, or if you have all these old stories about how your body isn't right, or Ooh. you're not worthy of love and and kindness, or all these things that get into our heads, it can help kind of quiet those down so that you can be present and enjoy the things that are happening.
1: That's so interesting because I feel like, uh, especially when you've had past traumas or you have your insecurities about your body it's like you're constantly focusing on either don't look at me or don't don't do this cuz it might be a trigger it, you know and there's a lot of things that we have to deal with as human beings but how, I mean, the cannabis just, it just like kind of just, it just calms you. It gives you that calming effect so you can completely focus or does it doesn't make it more intense. I mean, is it a combination of things? It really depends on what you're choosing and how you're consuming it. So different things will
0: have different effects. And in fact, some cannabis products don't cause any kind of intoxication or mental status change at all. Uh, things like topicals. You can put something on your shoulder if you have like arthritis in your shoulder that's not going to give you a head high so that you don't have to worry about feeling disconnected in any kind of way. It's also really useful to know that there are different uh, products that will have different effects. And I can't tell you which product is going to have which effect because it is very much a subjective experience, how your metabolism is, what kinds of hormones you have coursing through your veins, whether you've eaten recently, all of those things can impact how a particular product hits you. But I can give you kind of some guidance on how to figure that out, which will then you can kind of say, okay, where do I want to be? Do I need something that calms me down? Do I need something that's going to ramp up the sensation and make me feel extra tingly? And how do I choose those products?
1: Now you have, so you said that you're sex and relationship coach, but yes. you created canna What does that mean? Is that, that, is that just like the the cannabis and the sex? Like, how did you, how did you figure this out? <laughs> I figured
0: it out uh, through my own trial and error. And canna was the word that I made up and then trademarked and it's really meant to be a methodology. It is a noun, not an adjective. So I didn't mean it to be like cannabis sexuality, the way that like I am a bisexual human. So it's, I didn't mean it to be like that. It's more like mindfully and deliberately combining sex and cannabis to deepen intimacy and enhance pleasure, whether you are solo or partnered. That is the essence of cannabis sexual.
1: Wow. Okay. So what are some ways couples can include cannabis in their sex routine? I know that Like You have to be careful. There's, you know, a lot of things that dictate, like you just said, like if if you've eaten your metabolism, but what are things that, you know, like off the bat that will help your relationship that as a couple you could do in your sex routine that you're going to be like, okay, this is just going to complete, it's going to completely waken up, change, bring that passion alive, that connection when it comes to sex.
0: Absolutely. So one of my favorite suggestions for couples for who are new to cannabis is you plan a date night where you have no other obligations nothing else that's demanding your attention so if you have kids they're at a babysitter or a friend's house if you have pets they're put away work is done for the day like you are completely focused on one another and you have like at least an hour or two for that couple time which is something i think couples struggle with generally is making yeah. time for the couple and then whoever has the more stressful job and you can take turns, but whoever's was more stressed out that day, they get to have a bath drawn for them and they get to soak away the day in a bathtub in which a THC infused or CBD infused bath bomb has been added. Sit in there for 15 minutes while they're soaking, the other partner goes into the bedroom, tidies things up, makes sure that there's no laundry on the floor, The bed is made, maybe light some candles and some incense, put on some soothing, sexy music. Now the other partner comes out who has just bathed, is feeling very relaxed. They lie down on the bed and the other partner brings out some infused massage oil, give them a really nice, deep back massage, unlocking the muscles, helping them just melt into just jelly. And then... The person who's receiving the massage flips over. You have some eye gazing, some hot making out, and then you see where the rest of the night takes you.
1: That wow. is just one that way one, you can incorporate way. cannabis. Oh my goodness! That well, that's that's a well. I think that's a great way, especially for people who don't consume weed at all. Like it's kind of like starter. Especially, do you find that there's a lot of taboo when it comes when you mention cannabis automatically in sex?
0: What's the I response think you get? Are, Yeah. There are people who are immediately like, oh, that's scary. Or I had a bad experience with edibles once. I don't ever want to do that again. I don't want to feel that out of control. And my heart goes out to those folks who have had bad experiences. I've had bad experiences. I've been there. It's rough. Um, So having non-intoxicating methods of using cannabis can be a really great beginner option for someone who's like just wants to dip a toe in the pool, but doesn't want to get stoned. Um, also because I come from a sexual violence prevention background, I am all about consent. And so I want to make sure that if people are consuming things that can be intoxicating, that they're having conversations about consent and boundaries in advance of consumption. That's really important.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really important. We're going to be talking about your story up ahead. So, I mean, you have an incredible story that you really, um, you reclaimed your power, you turned around, uh, but before we get to that, what are ways that You know, people could get started with the countersexual method. Am I saying that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The the countersexual method. What are ways that they could also get started? What are other ways that they could introduce? So, the best advice
0: that I have for folks, especially who are new and are just getting started, is try new products on your own first, and then masturbate. That will give you a really clear picture of how that product interacts with you sexually, without having to worry about oh my gosh, this doesn't actually work for me. And now date night is just shot to hell because all I want to do is watch Netflix and binge this amazing thing of Ben and Jerry's that I have in my hand as opposed to actually (laughs) connecting with my partner. So like, you want to know that on the front end?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so then they're going to look, they got to go looking for the product and and try it and try it by themselves before they try it with a partner to see the reaction they're going to have. That's interesting. I I never would have thought about that. That's, that's so, um, yeah, that's (laughs) that's quite interesting. As you could see, like, Hmm, that's okay. So that's an interesting, that's, that's interesting. But I mean, if it's, I feel like if it's going to help your sex life and you're doing it in order to connect and I mean, does it help women reach an orgasm? What if you have problems, you know, reaching your orgasm? Does it really intensify it or does it help you get to that point? I think it definitely
0: can. Um, there are a lot of people in the world who are pre-orgasmic and they struggle. And The best place to practice becoming orgasmic is when you're masturbating. Um, One of my mentors is a 91-year-old woman named Betty Dodson, who is widely known as the mother of masturbation. And she works with women all over the world who are pre-orgasmic and who struggle with finding pleasure in their bodies and teaches them actually how to masturbate in a group setting so that they feel empowered in their pleasure and can actually take charge and say, oh no, actually, I like to be touched like this, or this really works for me. I need to be in this position or what have you. And so I think that learning how to, to find pleasure by yourself is crucial for being able to have partnered pleasure. And so cannabis comes to the rescue because as a vasodilator, uh, THC specifically is a vasodilator. So it expands capillaries and blood vessels, which means you, you're bringing more blood flow to the body. And especially if you're using a topical that's, let's say, put directly on the vulva, you're bringing blood flow directly into your genitals. And so that causes the tissue to engorge. It causes heightened sensitivity. And that can make orgasm more uh, attainable for folks. I also try to reframe orgasm as something that's a bonus, but mostly just chase what feels good and follow it down that hole instead of being like, I have to come, I have to come, I have to (laughs) come.
1: Just like that. Right? Yeah, no, you know, I I feel like, see. I mean, you can see how I'm, so being, being Latina, and, and this is no excuse. I just got brought up that you really don't talk about it. So it's now that I'm in, you know, that I just turned 40 and, and that I've really tapped into that, that it's okay to talk about sex. It's okay to talk about these things. And it's okay to want to connect with your partner. Um, not that it was a bad thing. It's just you were growing up. I was very shy about it. And it, you know, I really didn't get, you know, to talk about sex with a lot of friends. It was just something that you just you just don't talk about do you find that um a lot of people that you coach kind of get shy or uncomfortable about that with their sexuality or even just talking about masturbation or wanting to or even just explaining hey this is what turns me on i want you to do this i mean do do you do they have problems saying that or just i don't know cuz yeah. like right now you say like i want to come and it's like well that's <laughs> literally to just be able to just say it out there <laughs> Yeah, I am,
0: I am not the typical case. I have an incredibly uh, ravenous sexual appetite. Many of my partners have called me insatiable, and I have never felt shy about saying, This is what I want. This is what feels good. I want to come. I need a toy. I need more lube. All those things have always been easy for me. My clients, my friends, people I know and love, even other friends who are also sexuality professionals most people struggle with that. Most people have a lot of shame around their bodies, around their desires, or especially around masturbation because we were mostly socialized to masturbate silently and stealthily and quickly. Like you get off as quickly as possible so that nobody catches you because if somebody catches you, that would be so awkward, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah there, there's a lot of shame, shame wrapped in that. But I mean, I think as a woman, I mean, what, how do you deal with it? Because I know that you coach, part, you know, you co- coach couples as couples, how do you find that? What is like the best way to get over that? Because I think it's so important to be able to ask for what you want. I mean, yes. men and women can't read, like we can't read minds. And the only we way we're going to know what pleasures you is number one, by the way that you're reacting. But then mm-hmm. also number two, if, if you're not very vocal about it, um, understanding like what really, how are we going to connect better? Like I tell yes. me, like, tell me what you want. Absolutely. So the first thing I do,
0: I work with um, both women and couples, and, and the first thing I tell anyone I'm working with is, "I want you to practice vocalizing while you're masturbating, because that is a thing that most of us don't do. We, we are in our heads and we're quiet yeah. and we're going through the process. We don't typically moan when we're by ourselves. And so I don't want people to fake it. I don't want them to, to put it on because it needs to be authentic, but like if there's even a tiny little like "hmm" inside of you do that while you're masturbating. And then when you're with your partner, there's uh, my colleague Reed Mahalco likes to say, embrace the awkward because you know what? Sex can be real fucking awkward and it's okay that it can be awkward. Like we have this idea in our heads that it has to be this super seamless, perfect thing where the lighting is great and there's no, there's no bulges, it just happens. We don't have to talk about it, talking about it's so awkward. But the reality is that it is messy and there are fluids and you're like, ow, ow, you're on my hair. And like, you just have to lean into that and and find playfulness and curiosity in that and be like, you know what? We're on the same team ostensibly. We, you know, I want you to feel good. I hope you want me to feel good. We're like team pleasure, not all about your pleasure, not all about my pleasure, but like exactly ours. And let's let's collaborate as teammates you know when i don't watch sports but i know that on the football field they have like a huddle right like they they sit down they're like all right we're going to do this and do this you can do that with sex too you can have like a kind of little pre-sex huddle and be like so this is what i'm really feeling tonight i would really like it if you went down on me for a while. I want to feel it for a while. And then I will like tap your head when I'm done. And then we can move on to something else. How does that sound? And your partner will be like, that sounds great. Or you know what? My jaw kind of hurts today. I'm not feeling like a lot of oral this <laughs> evening. What if we did hand sex instead? And, and I gave you an amazing genital massage and you could be like, Ooh, I like that. Yes, we can do that. And so you're negotiating, you're getting to the mutual win. And that requires leaning into the discomfort of saying
1: those things out loud. And it just takes practice. Oh my God, Ashley, you have so much to say. So I think (laughs) women need to hear this. I men need to hear this. I think there's so so much, there's such an empowering moment when you're able to just stand and just ask for what you want and be able to talk about it openly without shame. And I think that's just going to create a better sex life, a better connection. And I just happier people that have great sex are just happier overall. Don't you agree? I could not agree more. I am having the best
0: sex of my life, and that has had a profoundly positive ex- uh, impact on my daily happiness quotient.
1: Okay, Ashley, you've spoken openly about how being a sexual assault survivor inspired you to start The canisexual kind of Method. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about this, because this is something that really was a huge moment in your life.
0: Yes, it actually was a huge multiple moments in my life. Um, I'm a survivor of multiple sexual assaults, um, one from childhood, one from when I was 13, uh, one when I was in grad school, and then one a couple of years after that. So I have a rather storied history of sexual violence, unfortunately. And that led to me living with pain with penetration for most of my adult life. I'm 34 now. And it took until uh, 2014, so only six years ago, that I... Found this product called FORIA, uh, which was a THC infused oil that you apply to the genitals, uh, specifically to the vulva, and you wait for 15 or 20 minutes and then you move on to sexy fun times. That was the first time I was able to have penetrative sex without pain. And that changed the game for me. So that instead of gritting my teeth for the first few minutes of intimacy and penetration, I was able to say, Oh, this feels so good immediately. I didn't have to get through it to get to the part where it felt good. And that transformed my relationship with my body.
1: There's a lot of women that actually experience this. Where, where does this come from? The pain from penetration? Where does that, that come from? So it's a condition known as vaginismus.
0: And there are Largely, uh, psychological effects. So basically your, your brain is telling your body it's not safe. And so it is involuntarily contracting the muscles of the pelvic floor and they can in fact, um, contract so much that you can't even insert a finger or a tampon. Like I, in, in more severe cases, mine was not that severe. Um, but it was definitely very uncomfortable to put Uh, an object inside of me bigger than let's say a finger. And so that was for me based on trauma, there are non-trauma causes of vaginismus. And, and for those, I would refer to uh, a gynecologist who could explain it much better than I could, but um, my knowledge of it was basically from a, a trauma stemming from a trauma background.
1: Now, you said that you had a difficult time enjoying sex after these traumatic experiences. I mean, you, you, you're you barely enjoying sex, what, in the last six years? Yeah, and, and
0: I had had like a couple of good experiences before that, but definitely the last five, six years have been really when I've gotten to enjoy sex in ways that I didn't know were possible. I started dating someone who had a lot of experience with uh, Tantra and energetic sex, who was really... Into slowing down and being very sensual and and focused on the engagement of the two of us, and not just with partners past, it was very much about them putting themselves inside of me and getting off, and that was sort of their priority. This particular partner was much more invested in my pleasure, wanted to make sure I was having an amazing time, start to finish, and was willing to really invest the time in let's kiss for a while. Let's just look into each other's eyes. Let's, let's stroke each other's bodies. I'm going to give you a 25 minute pussy massage and (laughs) then I'm going to go down on you. And then maybe we'll have penetration if there's time. So I started having sex for literally hours. That made a big difference.
1: Uh, Yeah. That, that made, that would make a huge difference. Do you find that um, cannabis helps people when they do have traumas? I mean, I know that it's helped you, but what has been your experience as a coach?
0: I have spoken with countless people who have said that cannabis has really transformed their relationships with their bodies and their sexuality following trauma. And that gives me a lot of hope. There have been really interesting studies around cannabis and PTSD. And I hope that there will be more in the future that are more focused on the sexual aspects of PTSD around feeling dissociated from your body, having pain with penetration, those types of, of, of PTSD related reactions. Uh, But many, many, many folks I've talked to, especially women identified folks have said that having, whether it's topicals or just smoking a little bit before sex really, really helps them feel more embodied and present and thus enjoy sex significantly more.
1: Now for the, for the people that are, because this doesn't just go for women, I mean, for the, for, for just for everybody who's ever gone through a traumatic experience like you have, um, how, how did you, how did you transform that in order to allow yourself to feel that you were worthy of attracting a romantic partner that would understand your PTSD, that would understand your anxieties, that would understand everything that you had gone through? It's a lot of work.
0: I'm not gonna paint a rosy picture for you, Rosie. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I did a lot of therapy. I'm still in therapy. So I allocate a lot of my monthly income to therapeutic modalities, even now. I still struggle with it at times. Like I'm super empowered, very much in command of my voice. I have really reclaimed my narrative in so many ways and so many formats. And and part of that was part of the healing process for me, telling my story that really made a difference. And there are still difficult days. Healing is not a linear path. There are twists and turns and backwards and forwards. And some days you get hit right over the head with it and you have to be with that too. And so a lot of what I've learned is to have tools for the tough days to have patience and compassion for myself that, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening again. What the hell is wrong with me? God, oh. you know, and to just be like, okay, this is part of the process and it's okay. And I have support and I have tools and I know how to take care of myself and I get to love myself the way that I wish my adult caregivers had loved me, the, wish I, the ways I wish old pa- partners have loved me. Like I get to give that to myself and learning how to do that has been one of the most crucial parts of my healing journey.
1: Ashley, you mentioned that there's days that you have, you have good days, you have bad days or days that you get triggered. What is something that someone can do right off the bat? Like something that they could do just right now, if they're going through a day that they've been triggered somehow that will help them calm their anxiety. One thing that I do a lot is breathing. I mean, we all breathe all the time, of course,
0: but, but intentionally deep breathing, um, exhaling longer than you inhale, helps to kick your body out of the sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight flight and into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest safe and social system. And so I will intentionally, when I start to feel my heart rate get going, or if I feel my face flush, or I know my physical tells now of if a panic attack's coming on or my anxiety's flaring and I'll go, okay, I'm right here. I will put my hands on my thighs, I'll put my feet on the ground, I will um, maybe even put like a hand on my belly and breathe deep into my belly for a count of four, hold it for seven, and exhale for eight. Mm, The four, seven, eight breath is a really, really useful one that I find to be super helpful. Um, I also use cannabis, Uh, I've been doing a lot of high CBD products lately. Because I've been finding over the course of quarantine that too much THC actually does exacerbate my anxiety. And so I've been doing 150 to 200 milligrams of CBD every day, every morning when I wake up, just like right under my tongue, a little little dropper. And, And that has been really helping my body kind of stay in a more calm state. And just calling a friend, reaching out to somebody who I know loves me and who will say, I love you. You're okay. I got you. Do you need me to come over? Do you just want to talk for a little bit? Like not trying to do it all myself has been a really important lesson for me.
1: Being able to open up and and accept help from others or being able to open up and ask help from others is also I think so so important. Yeah. When what about like what about the people that are listening right now and they hear you, you're having the best sex of your life, you're at the happiest point in your life right now, you've done a lot of work, you're very vocal about that, but they might have ideas like, I don't think I'm gonna find someone that I can trust and that's gonna be comfortable with me, especially after all the traumas that I've been through and it's gonna be patient through my anxieties. What would you tell someone who has that thought in their head? (sighs) I've been
0: there. I know exactly what that feels like. And I'm here to tell you that that person absolutely exists. And it starts with you believing that you are worthy even on your hardest day, even on the day that your anxiety is out the wazoo, that you are a crying, snotty mess. You are still worthy of love, compassion, and connection. And you have to believe that about yourself. That's so important because otherwise people could be there and you're like, oh, you're just here because you feel obligated, or you're just here because we're married, or you're just here because you it makes you feel good in some kind of martyr way, like you'll come up with a thousand reasons why they're there out of obligation, and not because they want to be. If you don't believe in your heart of hearts that you are actually worthy of that support and have a really solid list of deal breakers and boundaries and things that you need from a partner. Like one of my things is if I tell a partner that I have PTSD and they're like, oh, I don't know about that. Or they've never been in therapy. So they've never done any personal work on themselves. So they don't get what it takes. Like if you haven't been to therapy, I don't want to date you at this point. So yeah, I have a very
1: like- list. Yeah. And I think that's important that you say that actually, that you understand what you have as wants and needs, and that you're very open about it, but that you understand that if someone is going to judge you, criticize you that off the bat, like, that's just a no go, like, you know, it's just not going to work out and being okay, saying no, being comfortable, saying no, and being patient. And And attracting the right person at the right time in your life, I think, is so important. Now, you talk about self love. Do you think cannabis helps with self love? I think cannabis
0: absolutely helps with self love when, again, deployed intentionally. It's not as though you can just smoke a joint and suddenly love your body in ways that you never imagined you could. That's not quite that easy. But if you engage in intentional self love practices, if you um, if you take the time to sit in front of a mirror and say, I'm, I accept myself. You don't have to love every inch of your body in this moment. It's okay. You know, that's a a process that we all go
1: through. Yeah.
0: But if you can at least look at your body and say, my body is okay. It's a body that gets me where I need to go. That moves me through the world. It's the only body I will ever have. And it's okay.
1: It's okay. That's a great start. Oh, my God. And it is a great start to be able to vocalize that. I feel like you have to get to this place and just be really open and honest with yourself. And just to verbalize that feels so good. Just, yeah. I think There's so much power in saying things, just having the courage speak up and say something, even if you're by yourself, looking at a mirror, really start shifting your energy, your perspective. And it also empowers you day by day, daily practice, consistency of constantly doing that really empowers you. Ashley, I like to do something that I like to call Rosie's takeaways, where I ask a guest about a moment of adversity that you overcame that just kind of moved you forward. What was the lesson that you learned from it?
0: Absolutely. So my moment of adversity came five years ago when I made the decision to, uh, name one of my rapists on the internet and that was intense. That was pre me too. You know, people weren't doing that as frequently back then. Um, and I'm so grateful to that movement for really kind of creating space for people to share their experiences, um, and, and to even have like a hashtag. And so it was absolutely, an intense experience for me. And I was pretty confident in my healing journey up to that point. I had done a lot of therapy. I had a lot of support. I was in a good spot. I had a great job and a supportive partner and some sexy lovers because I'm non monogamous. I was feeling all right about where I was kind of in the world. And I found out that the person who um, raped me when I was 13 also raped one of the girls I went to school with. She disclosed to me and disclosed who it was. And I went, oh my God we were assaulted by the same person. And if there's two of us, there is absolutely more than two of us. And so I made the decision to name him in my blog. Um, my blog, which normally does not get anywhere near this number of views, got 22,000 hits in the first week that the blog was posted and seven more women reached out and emailed me and said, he assaulted me or he attempted to assault me also. And my PTSD flared so badly. I was having horrifically bad panic attacks. I could not work. I had to quit my job. All I could do was sit in my house and try to eat, which was also a challenge. Um, cannabis allowed me to actually eat. It allowed me to get sleep. It, it, it helped me survive that summer. And in the fall, I had quit my job, so I didn't have any income. I went to my first cannabis conference And I met the editor of Leafly and mentioned that I was a sex educator and interested in sex and cannabis. And he gave me my first column. And that was really when CannaSexual kind of hit the cannabis industry, which brought it into the main stage and and the mainstream kind of consciousness. And from there, I've won awards. I've been on magazine covers. I got invited to speak at a conference in Israel. Like, it's just blown up in ways I never imagined. And- that all came from me speaking my truth and then taking care of myself, not forcing myself to go back to a nine to five job saying, you know what, I just need to heal and, and prioritize that. And it created space to build this.
1: Even in our darkest moments, there's always lessons that we could learn and grow from. So Ashley, thank you so much for sharing uh, your moment of adversity and thank you so much for teaching us how to reclaim our power, how to, the importance of our voice and more than anything, just being so open and energetic and willing just to talk, just being an open book. I appreciate that so much. Where can people find you?
0: You can find me on my
1: website,
0: com, on Instagram at canasexual or on my podcast, Elevated Intimacy, uh, which is on all the podcast networks.
1: All right, you heard it best here this is Rosa Mercado. We just talked about sex and cannabis. And of course, this is the girl with self-esteem issues podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Trauma lives in our bodies and in our minds, and it's so important that we find at least one form of physical outlet for the intense emotions of grief, rage, and hurt we're bound to feel in the aftermath of abuse and trauma. Do something that you're passionate about and love to do. Don't force your body into activities that you're not comfortable with or exhaust yourself. Using physical exercise as an outlet should be an act of self-care and not self-destruction. Throughout this journey of healing from trauma and abuse, make sure that you are being compassionate towards yourself. A great deal of trauma survivors suffer from toxic shame and self-blame. It's also important that we are gentle towards ourselves during this journey, that we acknowledge that we're doing our very best and that we ask ourselves every single day, what is the most loving thing I could do for myself in this moment? There is no time limit to learning and healing. There's only the power of transforming our adversity into victory, one small step at a time. I'm always here to help and always here to grow with you. Thank you for listening to The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. If you want to hear more about my journey, be sure to check out my memoir, The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, available both in English and Spanish through HarperCollins and HarperOne. You can also find the link to purchase in the show description wherever you're listening to this podcast. What you just heard was Season 2 of The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, a Himalaya Learning audio course. To listen to the rest of the course and others like it, go to Himalaya.com forward slash Rosie Season 2 and enter promo code RELATIONSHIPS to get your first 14 days absolutely free. I hope to see you there.